0: Was a lesson on being satisfied with what we have. How about that? It's, uh, it, 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 it didn't. It didn't go the way we wanted it to go all those times. And I'll tell you about it one day if you want to ask. Some of you probably heard. It started with a smoky hotel room, and it ended with a wrecked the car. And I'll leave
1: it out there.
0: So. Uh, uh, I need a vacation from my vacation. <laughs> what do you think of when I say the word diet? Yeah. Denial. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy. Healthy. Most of the time, we, we tend to think of diet as that thing that we do, There's the Atkins diet and the keto diet and the paleo diet and the cabbage soup diet and the. <laughs> Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig. We think of a diet as, as denial, as those restrictions, as those as those things that, that we have to do to get to the place that we want to be because we aren't at the place that we want to be. But I think that's one word that's been hijacked by our culture. We think of diet only in that way because of our experiences. But in the end, when you think of what the word diet really means, the first two definitions, if you look in the dictionary, aren't about denial. They're not about restrictions. Diet is simply those things that we consume to give our body nutrients. Our diet is the totality of what we eat, drink, and consume to give our body what it needs. In the end, we should have a diet rather than be on a diet. And I think sometimes we get that backwards. Have you ever known anybody who was always on a diet? I mean, always. (laughs) I've only been accused of being on the seafood diet most of the time I see food and I eat it and that's about it but some people are always on a diet right man they're on the keto diet they're on the paleo diet there are people that I've known in my life every time I turn around they have changed their diet but it's a different diet they're on it's not a diet for them to live on I think sometimes we end up in the same way in our spiritual life rather than being having a spiritual diet, we sometimes are on a spiritual diet. That's good. I want to write that one down. That's not even in my notes. I going to write that one down. This morning, I want us to look at the main staple of our spiritual diet, and that's the Word or the, the revelation of the Word. Jesus quotes. Deuteronomy 8.3 in Matthew 4.4 4, during his temptation. He quotes Deuteronomy to uh, Satan. And he says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So this morning I want us to examine the nature of scripture and what our spiritual diet should look like and how it should nourish our bodies and so, as we get to this, there will be scriptures peppered throughout, but our main text this morning is found in 2 Timothy. Um, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, okay, if you were here on Wednesday nights before all this stuff started, we, we dealt with this text a little bit um, back then, and it's a pretty well-known text. It simply says there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending this letter to us. Thank you for its worth in our lives. Father, bless this time we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Just two verses, two things, two, two little lines of scripture, but, but there's so much <laughs> there. And, and honestly, it's, it's the first word that really just makes me go, wow. All. Because you know, the Bible is not a buffet. (laughs) Now, what do I mean by that? In my family, we had a hard time deciding where to go out to eat. Um, I wanted this. Sister wanted that. Daddy wanted something else. Mama wanted something else. Usually... Mama and daddy would just choose and we'd go where they wanted to go. But when you got into the bigger family, you got cousins, you got aunts and uncles, you got all those things. We ended up a lot of times at buffets. Remember Ryan's Steakhouse? That was big in my family. But why was Ryan so big? Because you could walk through there and you could choose what you wanted, And you could leave the rest. So if all I wanted was chicken fried steak, I could eat as much chicken fried steak as I wanted and leave the broccoli over there. (laughs) I didn't have to touch the things that I didn't want to touch. But so often, people in our society treat the Bible as a buffet. We go to the Bible and we pick the parts that we like and we leave the parts that we don't. We hold on to the parts and preach those parts that fit my worldview, but I ignore the ones that don't. One of the things that most of you don't know about me that I'm going to reveal right now is I have a Bible in my office. And one of my habits or spiritual formations on Monday morning is when I get to the office, I will take out that Bible and I will highlight the main text that I used on Sunday. And I do it for a reason. I never want to be a pastor who overpreaches my favorite texts but ignores the others. I want to make sure that when I go to God and I say, God, what is it you want me to preach this week, when I'm praying over that, that I can, if I say, God says, I want you, or I'm thinking, oh, I really want to preach this sermon, and I turn over there and I go, oh, I've already preached that. I'll pray over it some more. If God still wants me to go there, I'll go there, but I know I've already preached that, and I've already touched that, and I've already known that it's there, because I don't want to be a buffet preacher. I don't want to be a, a, a preacher who's just doing the things that I like to do. So often, we want to take all the blessings of Scripture but leave all the curses. We want to take all the freedom but leave the responsibility. We treat the Bible like a buffet. But we can't do that. The Bible isn't a buffet. The Bible is more akin to a recipe. Um, I had a video that I didn't download that I wanted to download <sighs> about Grandma's Butter cake recipe. You ever tried to make a recipe that was done by somebody back in the day? A tad bit of butter. A pinch of this, a pinch of that. We we watched the Cowboy Way Alabama at our house, and Booger Brown was one of the cowboys. He was... That's his name, look like that, that's what he calls it. <laughs> He was putting a cookbook together of grandma's recipes, and they tried to make them. They were like, something's missing. Well, he was like, well, we didn't know what the measurement was. It's a pinch of this, a dash of that, just a little bit of this. But the Bible's the recipe. We have to take all parts of it, and we have to put it where it goes and goes together, because if we don't put it together in the right way, the recipe doesn't come out correctly. Have you ever had somebody who made something, and rather than putting salt in, they put sugar in? Or vice versa? I hear some husbands out there chucking. That must have happened at times. I, you know, I won't say whether I've had that happen or not. But when you put the wrong ingredient in, or you leave an ingredient out, what happens? It doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And that's how the Bible is. If we just take what the Bible says and we just take the things that are good, then we're missing all the rest of it. Each part has its place and its purpose, and we have to have each part or our nutrition is lacking. Now, I know some of you are saying, but... Brother Troy, so many of those parts seem to say different things, especially when you look at Old Testament and New Testament. When you put these together and you're going, "Well, that's one of our pillars of biblical interpretation. And that is that scripture interprets scripture. You have to read all of scripture in light of other scripture. What that means is that all scripture informs every other scripture. We can't read scripture in a vacuum. I can't take scripture... And just read a verse of it and go, That must be completely for me. There was a guy one time that I knew who, how he did his Bible studies or his Sunday morning Sunday school, was he would get to church and he would open the Bible, and wherever he landed, that's where he was going to teach on. I said, What happens when you open it one morning and you're trying to have your quiet time with God and it says, And Judas wouldn't hang himself? You have know what you're doing and you have to be able to look at scripture for what it is and look at it in light of each other. We have the context of the immediate and the context of the overall. We can look at the context of the immediate and know what something means in that situation. But we also have to look at the overall context of the Bible to know if the interpretation is consistent. One of our classes at Howard Payne I had was the preaching class. And they took us, or they, the professor, he and I didn't get along. Can you imagine that? Um, he divided us into group of groups. And he gave us a subject. And one was pro this and one was against this. And we were to use the Bible to prove our point. My team was pro-slavery. My team won. You can use the Bible out of context To make it say anything you want it to say. But you have to look at the context of where scripture is. Jesus gives us examples of this and he also creates many contexts that other scriptures must be interpreted by. For instance, Jesus and his temptations. He is in the wilderness. Already there is an allusion to something else right? the wilderness. That's where Israel was for 40 years. And in the wilderness, certain things happen. And Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted. And then at the end of that temptation, when he has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he's hungry. You ever fasted for 40 days? I haven't. I fasted for six one time. Like to kill me. It's hard. It's hard when you do that because your body is used to something. So Jesus had done this for 40 days. And all of a sudden, Satan shows up and he says, if you're the son of God. Turn those stones into bread. Well, remember, right before that in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had just told the Pharisees that God could raise up sons from Abraham from these stones. In the wilderness, God had brought water from the stones. So Satan is clearly using Jesus' words against him, and he says, just turn these stones into bread. I know you've got to be hungry. And Jesus says, What? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But then, the other temptation, he comes to him and he takes him to the top of the temple. And what's he say? He says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And then the devil does something tricky. He quotes Psalm 91. He quotes Psalm 91. He says, because God has promised he's going to protect you. God has promised that he's going to protect you. And no matter what, because you are his chosen one, nothing will happen to you. And Jesus said, it also says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus said, I know my daddy's going to protect me. I know he's got what's right in mind. But that doesn't mean I'm going to do stupid things to prove it. I have to know what scripture says. Just because scripture says God's going to protect me, doesn't mean I need to test that protection doesn't mean I need to do what, what, what I think I just need to do because God has said, don't test me. Don't do that. The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes on. What he say? You have heard it said, do not murder. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And then Jesus took all those and turned them on their head. You've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, if you're even angry at your brother and say, rock it to him, you're going to hell. What? You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But if you even look at a woman and think, woohoo, you're in trouble. You've already committed adultery in your heart. That's what he says. He turned it all on his head and he puts these new contexts. Time and again, Jesus turns things on their head. The Old Testament says certain things are unclean, but Peter has this vision in Acts. Where God says, don't call unclean what I have made clean. We have to take scripture as a whole. For proper spiritual nourishment, scripture must be read in the light of scripture. All scripture, it says. All scripture. Not each. All. There's a reason the word all is used. Because if each scripture was done, if it was only each scripture, I could cherry pick. I could take this one, and I could take that one, and I could take this one, and I could make it say what I want it to say. And I've seen guys do that. I've seen girls do that. I've seen people do that. I've seen kids, senior adults. We twist the Bible all the time for our advantage. But we have to look at the Bible as a whole. We have to look at what God is saying here. Because he said all scripture. But he goes on to say it is inspired by God. Scripture has God as its source. Here's the thing, if this was just any old book, it wouldn't matter what it says. I mean, I've got books on the bookshelf at home that have been there for years, that I've never picked up. You ever bought a book and said, I'm gonna read this, and then it sits on your shelf, because that time never comes around? When I get a free minute, I'm gonna read this book. But then every time I see a book and I say, I'm mean, going to get a free minute, I add to that book collection. I've got a pile, in my, and I never read them. They're there. But they're not as important as this. Because this is inspired by God. God is the source of the Bible. And so when people come to me, and they get all upset, and they, and they throw these fits and they say, but it's just the Bible. It's not just the Bible. It's the very words of God. It is it's the very source of my strength. It's, it's where I go to find the things that I need to do because this is where I get my nourishment. What does food do for your body? Food strengthens your body. It repairs your body. It allows you to function, right? That's what scripture does. Scripture nourishes us spiritually in four ways. And it's that right here in this text. First, it teaches us. Through scripture... We learn about God and his desires for our life. It's in scripture. You know, when somebody comes to us and they say, tell me about Jesus. I can tell them what Jesus has done in my life, but I can't tell them about Jesus without going to this book. I can't tell them who Jesus is without explaining what's going on. And I really can't explain Jesus without going back here. I mean i know people say but i'm a new testament christian well okay but you can't understand the new testament if you don't get the old testament the old testament is worth the new testament is worth the old testament it's there you need it because it tells you what it is that god is expecting of us well first scripture teaches us roman in romans paul tells us what that we wouldn't know our sin if we didn't know the law going to have, to have several different servants here today because this is hard. Um, in Genesis chapter 2 chapter 2 man's created. In chapter 3 everything falls apart, right? But how's that story go? We always say, well, it was the first sin. Was it? The text says that they bit in the apple and their eyes were opened, and then they knew that they had sinned. I read that text, and I've always, I mean, people can't really call me a chauvinist because I always put a lot of stuff on Adam. I mean, people want to put it off on Eve, but when you read that text, they're walking in the garden. The snake comes up, and I'm kind of like the kid who would have said, holy smoke, a talking snake. I don't know why <laughs> they didn't freak out about that. But the snake starts talking. <clears throat> and he talks to Eden. And he says, did God really say? Did God really say that? Did he really say you're going to die? Did he really say? And she said, well. And then she gives this long drop thing. She says what Adam says, and then she adds some to it, or even touches. Well, we know what God said to Adam. We don't see God saying it to Eve. So did Adam just add that to make sure she didn't touch it? I don't know. And then she takes the the fruit, not the apple, the fruit. She takes a bite. And then it says, And she gave some to her husband. Who was with her? I didn't get that. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't by herself. We know that God talked to Adam and said, "Don't eat that." When God brought Eve to him, he was like, "Woo, She's going to my bone and flesh, my flesh. That's mine, God!" Woo! He loved her so much, he thought. But then he watched her take a bite of that fruit, knowing that God said she was going to die. There was something wrong there to begin with. He was supposed to protect her, right? He didn't. He stepped back and said, "Well, if she takes the bite, I bet I can too." Do. I don't think the first sin was the bite. I, I think they knew about their sin when they did that. Fruit. That's what Paul tells us, right? We wouldn't know our sins if we didn't have the law. We would know it was a sin. We have to have all of Scripture because God has told us this thing. So Scripture teaches us, but it also rebukes us. Now, we don't like that word. We don't like to be rebuked. Well, for one, it calls out false doctrine. I was in a church one time, and uh, it was not a Baptist church. I was there because I was dating a girl. My stories always start start that way. I was dating a girl. I was dating a girl, and I went to church. And uh, I'm reading along, and the pastor's reading the Bible. I don't remember where we were in the Bible, but he said something, and I went, and I said it too loud. Imagine that. Um, I said, my Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> Woo! Uh-huh. I wasn't welcome there anymore. Oh, <laughs> man, because the Bible rebukes false doctrine. The Bible will call out the false things. The Bible will reveal them to be false. You know, so often we're worried about the false doctrine. If we know the Bible, we won't fall for false doctrine. If we know the word, we can't fall for that. Because the Bible rebukes false doctrine, but it also reproves us in our personal lives. How many of us, when we've wandered away from God, the last thing we want to do is read the Bible? Because when I start reading that, it's going to hurt. We're told that the Bible is a double-edged sword, piercing as far as the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow... When God begins to work, when God begins to reproof, when God begins to rebuke, and I bring it along, and I go, ouch! <laughs> That's right, ouch! That's what I do, because we're all there. We look at it, and we, and we listen, and then the Bible begins to talk to us and speak to us, and we go, God, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that issue I, I don't want to deal with forgiving my neighbor I don't want to deal with letting that go I don't want to deal with that God but every time you pick up the Bible that's the issue that God is talking to you about so you try the Old Testament and he brings you to it and you try the New Testament and he brings you to it so finally you could read it because you can't do it because the Bible rebukes us it reproves us there is pain As the scriptures begin to show us our failures. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible also corrects us. The Bible doesn't just say, you're doing this wrong. It tells us how to get back right. I had a teacher one time. Most teachers are blessings from heaven. I had a teacher once that I just had to pray for. Because they didn't come around and help. They would come around and go, that's wrong, and walk away. Well, you ever been 16 getting your license? I was that boy. My mom took that school I did to get my license. And I came back to my math class the next day. And I had missed the foundation for the entire semester. And I asked her to please show me how to do this. And she said, where were you yesterday? And I said, Mama took me to get my license. She said, well, look in the book and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> Needless to say, she wasn't my favorite teacher. <laughs> but I prayed, maybe she got it better The Bible doesn't do that, though. The Bible doesn't say you're sinning. Stop. The Bible says you're sinning, but there is a way out of that sin. The Bible says you're sinning, but there is a way to get past this. The Bible says you're sinning, but there is forgiveness in the person of Jesus. It doesn't just rebuke us, it corrects us. It gives us the way to go. It tells us how to become right. It is the best teacher in the world because it can tell us what we need to do to change the failures that we've had. It teaches us. It rebukes us, it corrects us, and it trains us to live righteously. It doesn't make us righteous. It trains us to live righteously. We're made righteous by Jesus. We're made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. We're made righteous because Jesus has given us that gift, but it lays out for us the expectations of righteous living. And so we can read it and know where we need to be. There has never been a situation in my life that I couldn't go to the Bible and at least get some direction for where I needed to be. Now, it may have been the biggest gray area in the world, and the Bible didn't talk about it, but I can take other things and say, okay, this is what the Bible says. This is what my life is. I need to glorify God with my life. This is what needs to be. It trains us for righteous living. But Scripture also prepares us for the work that God has for us. Because we're said the what will be complete, equipped for every good work. God has a job for you. God has a job for each of us. He didn't die on the cross so we can sit in the pew. He didn't die on the cross so so that we can let everybody else go to hell. That's not why he died on the cross. And he gave each one of us gifts for a reason. He gave us things to let us know, this is what I want you to use. And I want you to use this to my glory. And when you use this, great things will happen. That's amazing. Because he says, when we read scripture, when we take scripture, when we we love on scripture... When we let it work in our lives, it prepares us for every good work. There's a saying in in the diet world, if we want to go back to the old restrictive part of diet, is that you can't out-train a bad diet. Right? You can't out-train a bad diet. I mean, I can start walking 25 miles a day But if all I ever eat is donuts and candy, you're not going to get anywhere. You can't out-train a bad diet. The same thing goes spiritually. We can't out-train a bad diet. It doesn't matter how often I come to church or how much I give in the offering plate or all the other things that I do. I can check off every one of those things on on a box. But if I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I'm not allowing Scripture to change me, You can't out-train a bad diet. If you're not being nourished daily in the Word, all the other things you're doing are for naught. Did you realize that you can lift weights, but if you're not eating enough protein, you're not getting anywhere? How many people does the Bible say Are going to get there. And they're going to say. But Lord. I preached in your name. But Lord. I did miracles in your name. But Lord I did so much in your name. And he's going to say. But depart from me. I never knew. I don't think there's any way. That anyone can seriously read this book. On a regular basis. And not walk away changed. You just can't. Because it's the very revelation of the word of God. And God's still working through it today. Maybe this morning. You have been guilty. As so many of us have been. Of using the Bible like a buffet. I like where it says this, and I like where it says that, but I don't like this. I used to teach a Sunday school class a couple of churches ago. They were the class that nobody wanted to be a part of because I loved it. It was my hair class on the world, I'll admit it. They would would take the scripture, and they didn't use a book. They would just take the scripture, and they would just tear it down to its foundation and put it back together. And there was one guy in there who, I had a couple people who told me they didn't know he was a Christian or not. Um, He was probably the best Christian I ever knew When you got to know him He was just a different kind of person And we would be in there And we would get to one of those hard parts And I would say, okay, so what do we do with this? And he would say, Brother Troy, we're Baptists We're just going to ignore that (laughs) (laughs) that's, That's kind of how we do things sometimes We say, I'm going to pick this And I'm going to leave that But the Bible has to be taken as a whole And sometimes it's uncomfortable Sometimes it hurts there's a reason why we have been having this Bible in a year videos every morning. It's because I believe that we need to know the Bible. Every word. And, and I know there are some times that some of y'all are going, you can skip over those names. But I, no, I can't. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says all scripture is profitable. I can't skip over those names. Because they're there for a reason. And I mean I know the reason right now, but they're there for a reason. Maybe this morning, God has been working in your life to change things. Maybe, maybe you have been avoiding reading the Bible because you know the minute you open it up, God's going to say, okay, let's get to work. Say, okay, God, all this. I won't promise it's going to be comfortable, but I'll promise it'll be beneficial. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning, maybe you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never known the one who is revealed through this book. Maybe you've never understood. The freedom that comes from accepting him and walking with him. Now will be a great time. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised right now. So just come down to God. It's not hard You say, Brother Troy, I want to know how to know Jesus. And we will go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you bless you.